Good morning and welcome to our service this morning. And if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Mark's Gospel. And we're going to read from Mark chapter 14, starting to read at verse 1. Mark 14, verse 1. Now the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or the people might riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the house of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages, and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them any time you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth. Whenever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportune for the an opportunity to hand him over. Now may God add his blessing to that reading. Let's just pray before we have a look at it together. Our Father, we thank you for this passage. We thank you for the... We see the brevity of it. Well, we thank you for the tremendous importance that it is. And we pray that as we gather around it this morning, we might see more of you and that we might be encouraged and challenged as we look at this passage together. And we do this in your presence and we bring these things before you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we come to Mark chapter 14, but before we look at this passage in Mark's Gospel, we must be careful not to confuse it with a similar incident that Luke records for us in Luke chapter 7, and that's from verse 36 through to verse 50. This took place in the house of Simon, but this is Simon the Pharisee, who had invited Jesus to a meal. Now, this man Simon wasn't a friend of Jesus. In fact, he didn't even have the courtesy to offer water for Jesus to be able to wash his feet on entering the house. This was customary thing to do for any invited guest. In our culture, we might say that, you know, we've been invited to his house, and you know what? He didn't even put the kettle on. We were never offered a cup of tea. So the woman, the woman on this case who came and anointed Jesus had not been invited. And we are told that she was known as a sinner. This anointing was done by a woman out of gratitude for the forgiveness that she had received from Jesus. And it was an acknowledgement that she, unlike Simon, knew who Jesus really was. Simon the Pharisee, by the remark in Luke verse 39 
tells us what he was thinking. He was thinking this. If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. This tells us that he didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus knew what he was thinking, and this prompted him to speak a parable. The parable from Jesus was a lesson about forgiveness that showed the truth that Jesus has the power to forgive sins. We also see the reaction from the other guests, and on this occasion Luke tells us the other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? which suggests that most of those guests were probably friends of Simon, the Pharisee. They may have been Pharisees themselves. And they did not recognise who Jesus was. They weren't his disciples. So with this in mind, let's go to our passage for this morning, remembering that we don't know everything that Jesus did. Not everything is recorded, John tells us that, but we know that at least twice in his public ministry he was anointed with perfume and each time teaching us something about who Jesus is. Now, here in Mark's Gospel we will see that it is a different time. It takes place in a different house. The act is done by a different woman, It is a similar act of devotion, but it's done for a different reason. And this second account of Jesus being anointed is recorded for us by Mark, by Matthew and by John. Matthew chapter 26, verse 6 through to 13, and John chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. So, Mark 14, verse 1 and 2. Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. Mark, like Matthew, sets the scene. He wants us to see the atmosphere that surrounded this event. The authorities want to kill Jesus. It was close to Passover. And they wanted to kill him, but not during Passover week. Mark and Matthew, having set the scene, then go on to tell us of something that happened in Bethany, probably on the night before the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. How do we know this? Well, in John's Gospel, John tells us that this would have happened six days before the Passover which would be when Jesus arrived in Bethany and on the night before his entry into Jerusalem as king seated on a donkey. And as we read on, we hear what happened while Jesus was there in Bethany. So verse 3, While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, A woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. So Simon, a man who had more than likely had leprosy and then been cured by Jesus. 
Now, they were not told everything that Jesus did. But this man who had been a leper is still known as Simon the leper. But he was firmly accepted back into society, showing us that his cure was complete. John, in his gospel, tells us that Mary, Martha and Lazarus, Lazarus were there. And we know, don't we, that they lived in Bethany, the same place that Simon lived. And we know that Jesus often stayed with them. And we know that on this occasion, in Simon the leper's house, Martha was cooking, and the dinner was given in Jesus' honour. You know, we all like to do something different at certain parts of the year. Families like to get together and... Christmas is one of those times. It's something we do. We, we all like to, to bring our families together, have a meal together and enjoy the festival time. And this was a special time of year in Jerusalem. The city was full of people and they were all full of great expectation as they prepared for the Passover week. This was a great time for them to celebrate. But they didn't know that this was the last week that Jesus would would be with them. By the end of this week, he will be taken, he will be arrested, he will be crucified. We also know that the disciples, uh, by this time, notice uh, a change in the demeanour of Jesus. And at the time we looked at that, we related it to what Isaiah had prophesied, that Isaiah had said that his face will be set as a flint as he went towards Jerusalem. And these are the times that Isaiah was prophesying about and they all knew that the authorities were not happy with what Jesus has been doing they must have known that danger was in the air but they didn't know how events were about to escalate into what they would see as a downward spiral they also knew that since Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead when he called their brother from the grave Things had begun to get worse for Jesus. Well, this is Passover. Maybe things would be better tomorrow. Maybe they reacted something like this. Let's get together and do something special. Maybe Simon said, Why don't you all come over to my house for dinner? Maybe Martha said, well, if that's the case, that's a really great idea, but I'll do the cooking. And then maybe they said, let's make it extra special and invite Jesus as our honoured guest. And the disciples can come too. However it came about, that is what they did. And when I think about this, I'm challenged by this. When I think of the times that I have thought about doing something, something that would help someone, then not having done it and afterwards regretting the fact that I hadn't done it and the opportunity had been lost. There's a warning for us here. A warning that if we invite Jesus and then not realise that he's more than just a guest, a guest who sits on the top table. The danger for many who sit under the sound of the gospel and think that being in the place where Jesus' words can be heard is enough for them to be called followers. 
the danger for us who are born again Christians is for us to lose touch with the importance of who Jesus is. There were a selection of people in that dinner party that evening. So what did happen at this dinner? Well, we know, we read the passage. A woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. The woman we know is Mary. Mary was a righteous woman. She was known for her righteousness. A woman who twice in the Gospels we see was seen at the feet of Jesus. Let's just remind ourselves of those two occasions. In Luke chapter 10, verse 39, this was at the home of Mary and Martha. Martha was busy cooking. And Martha complained that Mary wasn't helping her. And this is what we read. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So there we have Mary at the feet of Jesus listening. Then we come to John chapter 11 verse 32. And this is on the occasion of the death and resurrection of Lazarus and at the time when Jesus came to that grieving family. And we read this. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. We see on those occasions, and we actually read the words, that Mary chose the better place, and that better place was to be at the feet of Jesus. So what did Mary do on this occasion of this dinner party? Well, she broke the jar. Once the jar was broken, there was no turning back. This wasn't a case of taking the top off and pouring a little bit out and then putting the top back on and saving the rest for another occasion. This reminds us of the the widow's might, the widow in the temple. The widow who gave everything she had. Not like the others who had a look to see how much they had and gave what they thought was enough to give to God and kept the rest for themselves. We're told it's an alabaster jar. This alabaster, it's a translucent, translucent material. The jar might have even been decorative and that in itself might have been costly. It was certainly delicate. It was easily broken. And its contents were very expensive. They were the equivalents of a yearly wage for the average worker. And it belonged to Mary. It was hers. Now, the original intention of this expensive ointment, this perfume, it might have been for the embalm, for the, for to embalm the body of Mary herself at her funeral. You know, funeral directors today encourage people to set aside money, money with them, to remove the cost of the funeral from the families. And this might have been that which Mary had set aside 
to be used at her own funeral. But we know at least this, that she poured the perfume on his head. All of it. This was a personal act of pure devotion, done without care or concern for what other people present might have thought. We know that it wasn't done for show. It wasn't done for gain. We know the reaction from the others. It was indignation. And the cost for her was for her to sacrifice the most precious thing that she owned. Let's look at the general reaction of those who were in the room. Verse 4 and 5. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. See, they were shocked. They muttered their surprise and their disapproval to each other. They saw it was a waste. That's because they looked at this ointment in its relation to its material value and that how it could have been put to what they saw would have been a better use. But worst of all, they turned on Mary. You know, Peter the Apostle was there. He's more than likely the one who is relating these events to Mark so that Mark could write them down in his Gospel, the Gospel that we're looking at this morning. And as he tells Mark about these things, and when he uses that phrase, and they rebuked her harshly, I believe that Peter is including himself in the phrase, they. I believe he's saying that he was one of them that rebuked her harshly. John in his gospel tells us that the most annoyed about this was Judas Iscariot. And John goes on and tells us that his reason had an ulterior motive. This is what John says. You read this in John chapter 12, verse 4 to 6. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Now, he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and kept and the keeper of the money bag. He used to help himself to what was put in it. He was probably the main spokesman. But I think Peter is admitting when he spoke to Mark that they were all guilty of feeling and thinking the same way. So let's have a look at the reason for Mary to do this and the reason for why she did it. Verse four, verse 6. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Jesus defends her actions and he rebukes her accusers. And he uses that phrase, a beautiful thing for me. It was a beautiful thing. And it was all for Jesus. First part of verse 7, the poor 
will always, the poor you will always have with you. And you can help them anytime you want. Now let's be clear about this. Jesus is not saying ignore the poor. That would be completely contrary to everything that he teaches. He is showing the importance of remembering the poor. But he's showing the more important thing of getting our priorities right. The second part of verse 7 through to verse 8. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. That is the thing. They didn't realise this. But somehow Mary did. She must have felt it in her heart that she must do it now. Because if she doesn't, the opportunity will be lost. Here is the right priority. Mary had chosen to be at the feet of Jesus. And she did what she could do. Second part of verse 8. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. This statement must have been a great shock to those who were listening. How is this? We don't understand this. No, they didn't. But somehow Mary did. The verse goes on. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world... That she has, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. You know, what we're doing this morning is an evidence of the truth of this statement. So what was the true purpose? She's done the right thing at the right time. And the opportunity to do this would not come again. As those who were there would find out and later regret not being the one who did it. Who was it? Who knew all the answers, mixed with the right people, said what appeared to be all the right things, but who made the wrong decision when it came to decide who Jesus really is. We know that when we read verse 10 and 11. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. He sold his birthright for 30 pieces of silver. He never knew that rebirth. How much is your salvation worth? Not that money can buy it. But money can be the means of not accepting it. And it's not just money. There are other things that come into our lives. And when the crunch comes, the decision is not to accept Jesus. 
This is a challenge for all of us in this passage this morning. A challenge to those who have not accepted Jesus. And a challenge to those of us who have. So where do we stand amongst the people who were at that dinner party? Father, we thank you for your word. And we know that as we gather around it now, that it's not by the things that I say. It's by the things that you say to us. And as you say them through your Holy Spirit, that he will be the one who will challenge and encourage us, teach us and lead us, and also rebuke us. And our Father, we bring these things before you this morning in the precious name of Jesus.